G'day, and welcome to episode 102 of the Pack Heavy Podcast. My name is Hayden Thompson, and today I have guest Tan Lei, who is the founder and owner of La Rue. Founded in 2021 by Tan and Daniel and based in Vancouver, BC, LaRue is the product of a love for baking mixed with a desire to put a business idea into play and out into the world. With three delicious full-time mixes and one limited edition SKU, which is used for seasonal offerings in the marketplace, LaRue's cookie mixes can be found in multiple retail locations in Vancouver, as well as via their own Shopify-powered website. And speaking of which, Tan has been extremely generous and has given you all 10% off at the checkout when you use the promo code PACKHEAVY10. Uh, just scroll on down into the show notes and you'll find it all there. Now, before we kick off into today's conversation with Tan, if you're new to the podcast, thanks for taking the time to tune in. My name is Hayden Thompson, like I said at the start, and as well as chatting with business owners and operators about their businesses on this podcast, I also work for a packaging company located in BC called Foodpack, where we help food pay CBG companies and processors with their packaging and food packaging equipment. Now at Foodpack, we specialize in three specific areas. Um, the first one that I always mention is our stock bag program, so you can think of that as a turnkey solution for getting out into the marketplace. Uh, custom printed bags and films, which I absolutely love doing, especially when I can really dig into you know the problems that you're trying to solve with your packaging and how we can offer a solution uh, and then we also offer packaging equipment like Supermac vacuum chamber machines plex pack band sealers and repack tray sealers and thermoformers there's so much there now the other cool thing about us at food pack is we've got a showroom so you can come on in and check out all of the equipment that we have on offer you can bring in some of your food and we can package it up there for you so that you can undertake some shelf life studies and really ensure that the capital investment that you're about to embark on is the right fit for you um, so if you're looking to get into the market for the first time or would like me to assess your packaging program or equipment definitely get in touch with me and the best way to do that is by emailing me here at the podcast at hayden at the or you can also give me a call on my phone which is 604-360-6790 and uh, yeah i'd love to chat with you about your business and your product okay let's get on with the show episode 102 with tan lee Tan, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm so glad to finally have you on. I went back to my emails and we started this conversation about you coming onto the podcast about 12 months ago. <laughs> yeah, we did. You're you're popular. You had to get me on there like quite early. <laughs> I don't know about that. It was funny. I, You know what? It was actually... When I think about it, the reason that I wanted to have you on the show, and even though we're about to, you know, obviously dig into LaRue and the business model and where the idea came from, but I mean, it's a relatively new business for all intents and purposes. And back in November last year, you just launched the business. So we've just come up on the 12 month mark. But the reason I wanted to speak to you is because you've got an idea, you turn it into a reality, you launched into the market, and that takes a lot of energy you know, just to execute on an idea. So that's why I wanted to speak to you early on, but I'm really glad that we finally got around to it at the 12 month mark of you actually operating business so that we can incorporate that into the, into today's conversation as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really good timing. <laughs> good stuff. So where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Um, I'm, uh, from Burnaby, born mm -hmm. and raised Burnaby, yep. BC. Local um, girl. Yes. Um, I, I'm first generation. So my parents actually immigrated here from Vietnam. Mm -hmm. um, they were kind of like living in refugee camps and then across Asia. And then they came to uh, Canada. And that's where I'm here now. Wow. So this was the dream. Like they came across to Canada to start a family and start a better life for you guys. 
Exactly. Yeah. So like, I think growing up, it was hard to see kind of them struggling, mm. um, you know, being in a new country, not knowing how to speak the language, mm-hmm. um, and not really having support either. So mm. it was like, it was tough, but it was also really nice to see that they kind of like persevered. They, they also started their own business too. So yeah. I think that's like probably where I got my like entrepreneurial spirit from. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Uh, it's not the first conversation that I've had on this show about a first generation Canadian like yourself. Um, and, you know, speaking about their parents and, you know, the struggles that they had prior to moving across to Canada and how it really um, is a country where you can create anything and create a life for yourself and for the family. And it's just an amazing thing. So yeah, hats off to your family. What business did they operate? They started a Vietnamese restaurant. Yeah. Which is very different, obviously from what I do. Um, very like 14 hour days. Um, just like it's, it it took a a toll obviously. So it it was very difficult, but it was, it was also very fun to kind of watch them thrive through that. You know what? The hospitality industry is, uh, it's a hell of an industry. I grew up in it as well. My parents had a uh, fast food outlet when I was growing up too. And I started working in there when I was the age of 12. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how old were you when you started working in the restaurant? Oh man. Yeah, it was. So they had like two, so they opened up two in two mm-hmm. different locations. So I started probably when I was like in early high school. So when I was like 12, mm. um, and then all throughout high school. Um, so yeah, I would just remember like sometimes and it was very close to my high school too so like my friends and I would go there for lunch and I would like we would all like help out during lunch hour it was it's really funny and then after school I would come help out too and take shifts too luckily I have uh, a couple brothers so we would kind of help there yeah uh and you know what the amount that you can learn um, you know, when you're thrown into a family business like that's incredible. Like you get to see, you know, well, you get to sort of get a really good understanding of a business and how it operates and, you know, the stresses of business and all of the back of house conversations that go on. And, uh, and then you're obviously working out the front and you're getting all of the people skills and the cash handling skills and, you know, you can learn how to hustle as well. So just so many benefits. And I just thank my parents so much for the, the experience and exposure that they gave me or the opportunity that I had working in their business. I'm sure you probably feel the same way. Mm-hmm. No, totally. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um. So LaRue, let's dig into it. So where'd the idea come from? How did you, like, where did it all start? Yeah. So I think like, so I've always been interested in entrepreneurship, like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you already know this, but I work at Shopify. So yeah. I'm really fortunate that I get to work with a lot of different business owners from different kind of industries. And so I was very inspired by how they started their brand, how they scaled it, how they market it. So I always knew I wanted to start something. Um, and obviously this, this was my first idea. Like I tried mm. like drop shipping here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried like random things, um, but it never kind of like stuck. So fast forward to um, the pandemic, I was one of those uh, pandemic bakers, if you will. (laughs) So I was stuck at home and I just like really wanted to, um, like just like indulge in baking. And so I was like trying different recipes and I like really wanted to make like good cookies. And for some odd reason, every time I tried a rest, a cookie recipe online, it just never worked out either. Like the cookies were like, (laughs) yeah. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure like, I like have like, I have like all the measuring stuff. I have even like the actual, like, um, like the scale too. And it just like never worked out. The cookies were either like too dry or like way too sweet. And so I kind of like tinkered with it and developed my own cookie recipe. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as soon as kind of 
the pandemic got a bit better, I started kind of like hosting friends again, and they tried my cookies and they really liked it. And so I was like, hey, like, why don't I make this into something? Um, but of course, like, you know, there are some challenges with the baking industry. Yeah. One is like, it's so time consuming. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I def- definitely don't want to be in the kitchen for, you know, hours, hours, like 12 hour days, just like baking. So I'm like, how can I make this a bit more like scalable? And so that's how I came up with the idea of a cookie mix. So I can just prepare it in a pouch and then the, you know, end consumer can just add egg and butter I and kind of whip it up pack. at home. Yeah, yeah that's so yeah. easy. It's a great idea because you're right, like, you know, to actually be in a commissary kitchen and get your hands dirty and spend hours in there, it's a totally different, you know, business model that you've got to execute on. So for you, for all intents and purposes, just having everything in a shelf-stable product ready to go and the end user has to, you know, actually produce the product that makes so much sense. Yeah, totally. And I, I and like working full-time, there was no way yeah. that I could be full-time in a, in a, in a kitchen either baking. And that's not like my expertise. I'm definitely not a baker at all. Um, I just happen to have a good recipe. So yeah, that's kind of how it, it started up. Awesome. Did you do any market research or get some validation around the idea before you got started with it as well? I did. I did. So first off, I think it was like the, the product itself, right? Mm. Because obviously like cookie mixes aren't the first in, in the industry. Like there's lots of different cookie mixes. So I had to start with how do I make my product unique? And so I kind of tinkered with different flavors. So my kind of like standard popular ones are Earl Grey, toffee and matcha. So Mm -hmm. typical flavored cookies that you just, you can't just like make at home by yourself unless you're like an actual avid baker um, or you go to the the bakery and it costs like a lot of money just to get these like premium like flavored cookies. Mm-hmm. And so that was probably the first bit was like product development, um, finding like the niche within this industry. Mm. And then the second one was packaging. Like I went full in on packaging because mm. I am like a marketing gal. Mm-hmm. I, I like love that kind of stuff. So I just went into the grocery store, started looking at different packaging. I like started like feeling different types that I liked. I look, looked at like the the back, like how do they portray the the story? How do they portray the the instructions and what did I love and what did I not like? So mm. um I kind of just like went in and did a lot of like physical and like also online research too. That's awesome. And you know what, I guess that's where I sort of came into the conversation early on when you reached out and inquired about some flexible packaging with us. And, you know, I've got one of your bags here that we oh, It's sort of a little bit fuzzed out right now, <laughs> given the background. But yeah, it's a uh, it's a beautiful bag and we keep it up proudly on display here at Food Pack as an example of a project that we've completed. We've got your whole series. Oh, and thank you. when you step back and you analyze it, it's really evident that you have put a lot of energy into, you know, the um, not only the brand elements and design and the way that it's all been formatted and laid out but the actual information that you've got on the bag it's so clear and legible um you've got everything that we encourage people to do you know whether it's um you know tips and tricks a small story you've obviously got the nutritional facts and the ingredients you've got everything there so when you were going out there and you were sort of doing a cross-section analysis of all of the other brands that were out there what was it that stood out to you as sort of missing like was it the actual brand elements and like a brand that was sort of um, that resonated with you or was it sort of the information that was on the bag? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's two things. One is the branding. Um, I think a lot of it was 
it was a lot like some of the back of it was for the first half like the branding wasn't like the nicest to the eye I'd say mm-hmm. um and that's okay because these people are like they're best at their craft they might not, yeah. may not be branding people I'm just fortunate that I come from a branding marketing pers- uh background mm-hmm. um and then the back too there was a lot of heavy information like and it was like kind of hard to see like the font mm-hmm. was small mm-hmm. and different fonts and stuff like that so I just wanted to make it like very very easy for the user um the end user to understand and like not make it hard for them you know like this is supposed to be an easy fun process mm-hmm. working with someone like you through the sales process was really easy as well just a little insight like because Aww. you knew what you wanted right from the start and it was great because when i asked all of my sales questions like what are you looking for you know how does this work what kind of dimensions are you after what kind of finish feel and features and all of those sort of basic tips um, you knew the answer to all of that because you had gone out there and done your research and i think that's just so important for people out there who are developing developing a product it's, we can provide you with samples and all of different options and stuff like that. And it's really good to sort of know what we can offer. But if you're out in the marketplace, you do get a really good feel for where the gap is and where you can sort of, you know, enter the market with something a little bit different. So it was evident that you'd done mm-hmm. your research right from the start. It was cool. Thank you. Yeah. And I will say it took a lot of time, right? Like, mm. um, you know, we we started engaging in, in June and it wasn't, I think, until August when I actually started the process of designing the packaging. Mm. And, and that wasn't me, by the way. Like I worked with a really close friend of mine who is a graphic designer. Um, her name is Naomi from Jinza Designs. And she like really made my dream and like my branding basically dreams come to life. And mm. we worked countless of hours making like Google spreadsheets, like Pinterest boards, like a mood board. Like what do we want the cons- consumer to like feel when they like touch in, uh, our pouch and like yeah. when they like look at it too. So mm-hmm. um, it, it takes a lot of effort and it definitely isn't like an overnight thing. No, definitely not. Um, so branding was obviously a huge element to sort of the business that you were building out. You knew that you wanted a product that was shelf stable where you could sort of put all of your energy up front in getting the product on the bag that you didn't have to spend time in the kitchen. Talk to us a little bit about the online direct-to-consumer model that you're so familiar with working at Shopify and how you've sort of been able to leverage all of your knowledge and background skill to sort of help this work in your favor. Yeah, for sure. So fortunate for me, like Shopify, it was like a no brainer, obviously, Mm. like they are huge in the e-commerce space. Um, For those who don't know, like they have an e-commerce platform to for business owners to sell online and offline. And the nice thing is that like, you anyone can build an online website through Shopify. It is so easy. There's free themes. And at first, I'm not gonna lie, like I'm such a perfectionist. I wanted to hire, like outsource a developer to make this like beautiful website. But mm-hmm. I honestly just sat down and within four hours of one night, I was able to build the website. And I don't have any like design or like mm-hmm. development skills. So um I think Shopify is like really like a big like component of that. Um, but yeah, like I think it's just you know, a lot of like, you know, leveraging social channels to um, get traffic to your website. And then um, website is a huge portion too. you know, you kind of try to leverage like bulk purchases, like the more you pay, Mm -hmm. you know, you get like free shipping. Shipping is also obviously a challenge selling online. Massive. Um, I was going to ask you about that later. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it definitely is. So I would say like, that's not our number one sales channel. Like Mm -hmm. our number one sales channel is being in markets, selling in person, um, being in retail stores. We're very lucky that we have such a strong local um, community of um, like retailers. So mm. I'm in a few uh, amazing stores like Good Omen and Welks. Um, they kind of like took a chance on us when we first cool. launched and yeah. I'm still working with them till this day uh, to have our items on on their shelves. 
That's great. So when you were sort of like sketching out what the business was going to look like, did you envisage that it was going to be a purely online store or did you have the sort of insight that you were going to take it to retail as well? Yeah, I think the retail was always uh, like a dream. Like, mm. I'll be honest, I never thought I was going to be in retail stores. I yep. was like, when I launched, I was like, hey, maybe I'll be lucky to sell it to like 30 of my family and friends online. But it, it totally evolved from that. Like the market's was like a huge thing during mm -hmm. the Christmas time. Yeah. And then slowly I think I just got traction from different retailers and I was like, okay, this might be an interesting avenue to go through and and I think that's like the strategy that we're going moving forward is oh, yeah. like really just wholesale and and retail. Just to push the volume out the door. Yeah, exactly. And it just it makes more sense because like buying again online it's just it's so hard to justify a $13 cookie mix plus $13 shipping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's really hard. And the cost of acquisition for that customer as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, in sort of like what ways are you advertising and sort of doing your online marketing? So online marketing is really hard, right? Yeah. Like I, I would say like, I, I, I really empathize with people who like influencers or just, they just do such a good job on social media. It's like, you know, it takes a lot of time taking very nice, like pic pictures and, um, videos and, and stuff. So I'm, I, I'd say like our only marketing really is like through social media. It's not the mm -hmm. best, but it's there. Um, but a lot of it now is really just through word of mouth and mm -hmm. being in more retail stores. Like That's the awesome. other day, yeah. I actually just had a, um, because we just uh, restocked in Good Omen, I had someone reach out and say like, hey, like we, I love your mixes. Like my boss is ho hosting like a women's event on Granville Island. Like, would you come and like sell your products? And I was like, that's amazing. So that's really just like through, I guess, retail and, and yeah. word of mouth. Referrals. That's awesome. Yeah. No, like it speaks for itself when you're getting those kind of conversations going, you know? Um, yes. Online marketing is so hard. It's a full-time job in itself to some degree, exactly. or at least a very, very focused component of your week if you were to execute on it properly. Uh, and it's expensive if you're, uh, if you're outsourcing it. So yeah, I think that, you know, the strategy of, you know, really leveraging your, uh, your word of mouth and your um, referrals, just it's the way to go. And like, I've had this conversation on here a few times about that. Um, Talk to me a little bit about the actual process of getting the product in the bag. Like, are you doing it all in a commissary kitchen or have you outsourced that as well? Yeah. So I'm currently doing it in like a, like we have a family friend that owns like a, a kitchen. So oh, cool. I really yeah. just do it like in there uh, by myself. And sometimes yeah. I have help from like my mom or my partner, Daniel. Yeah. Um, But it's really just like, packing by myself. Yeah. The, but that's like, that's a big challenge, right? Like it's mm. really hard to scale right now mm -hmm. um, because I still have a full-time job. So now it's like, what what do I do the next phase of the the business? Because I do know that there's like co-backing services too. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that we're going to have to explore. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Next. So do you spend a couple of hours a month just sort of filling par levels and then you just pick and pack from there? Yeah, I think it depends. So if we have wholesale orders and we'll just do like a whole bulk and then yeah. I kind of just like reach out to my wholesale people and say like, Hey, I'm doing like a, an, or, a big order right now. Do you guys want to like stock up? So yeah. usually it's like a big batch at a time. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very good. Now we've talked about packaging and branding development, which is cool. Cause I was going to talk about that a little later in the podcast, but we knocked that out of the way early, which was great. How big's your team? I'm assuming it's just yourself and your fiance at the moment that's working on the business. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So two people, how do you guys go working together? 
Oh, we're good. Like we have like a whole like system going, like I'll just like, I do the mixing and he puts it in the bag. Yeah. Um, so like, it's really helpful. It's, it's very, it's really helpful to have him as a resource. Yeah. Um, because for me, if I do it by myself, I would spend like all day in the kitchen. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, really it's just us, um, right now. And it's the combination, Leroux is the combination of both of your last names. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> How did you land on that? Did it like, did you have a couple of other names tossed around that you were discussing? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I think I like really thought about this from like a marketing and SEO standpoint and like mm -hmm. an expansion standpoint, because, you know, if you think of like the keyword baking or bake, you know, like there's so many businesses with mm -hmm. that word in there. And mm -hmm. so initially I wanted something like called just bake. Um, but then for SEO purposes, I think that would be like a challenge. And yeah. also like if I ever wanted to scale my business and expand, uh, in addition to like not just cookies but maybe other food products mm -hmm. or other things then it would be too hard yeah so that's why i was like okay hey, i want to do something more creative and something that's more like um more like special to us mm -hmm. and that's why i kind of just put both our last names together and called it labor yep. Yeah, I didn't realize that that was the case at first. So I was like Googling it and I think there was like a city or a town somewhere <laughs> called Leroux and I'm like, okay, what's the, what's the, like the hook there? And anyway, I couldn't figure it out until I, uh, I looked you up on LinkedIn and, and found out that that was the case. So, all right. Now challenges, talk to us about some of the challenges or some of the sort of hidden things that were a little unseen prior to getting the business started that really surprised you as you got started. Yeah. So I would say the main challenge uh, that I still struggle with today is really just, you know, having a full-time job in addition mm -hmm. to, so it's, mm -hmm. it's really hard to balance both. And I think last year or earlier this year, I came to a point where, you know, I was balancing both, but then I was compromising on other things that are really important to my life, like health. Like I wasn't going mm -hmm. to the gym. Mm -hmm. I didn't have time to spend, you know, like, uh, time with my friends and my family, which is really important to me. And I, yeah. I honestly was like, kind of miserable. And so I kind of had to be like, how am I going to balance this out? So mm. that probably is like the biggest challenge for me right now. Mm -hmm. um, for the business itself, I think the because the product does rely on certain ingredients and baking is so finicky, mm -hmm. you know, so like if you do, if you change your brand, like your, like, for example, right now we use our brown sugar from Rogers brand and our supplier just changed to another brand that's not Rogers mm -hmm. and like just a small change of like the brand itself changes the recipe so mm -hmm. I had to go through so many times of like changing the recipe so that it would I would match with the the ingredient itself so I think that one is definitely a challenge yeah. and I think now too obviously with what the economy is like you know my product is more of a premium product mm -hmm. and so now it's like how do we justify this purchase it's like a nice to have is not a must to have mm -hmm. so those are some of the challenges on the top of my head okay let's start with the uh, the work-life balance so how are you actually like trying to figure out your week and how much time to dedicate to Leroux and then how much time to spend on your full-time job and then the you know family <laughs> and fiance and everything else that you've got going on fitness and health how do you balance it all I think it's just a lot of uh, mindful organization. So like having specific days for specific mm. things. So mm -hmm. like on Mondays, like I make a, an effort to go visit my family. And then it's like uh, on Sundays, I'll like just try to pack like all day kind of a thing. And yep. then I'll try to work out like throughout the week. So just making time for all of those things in my schedule. 
um, is how I'm doing it. And also it's like asking for support. Like, I feel like I'm not really good at doing that. I like to just take everything take it all myself. On board. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So now I'm leveraging like, like Daniel more or like my mom more. And so like, I think leaning on your like ecosystem of, mm. of support really helps too. How have you found the uh, the CPG network that you've managed to sort of find yourself in as well? Like if you jump on LinkedIn, like we're all sort of a part of the same network. Have you found it a great um, industry to sort of plug into? Have you found it supportive? It is. Yeah, definitely. I remember uh, actually the first time that I kind of started researching in this industry, like mm. I was so thankful to have you because I just, I had so many questions and you had all the <laughs> the answers and you had even connected me with, I think it was Eve's Crackers. Back, right. in, Eve, back in the day. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. And I had spoken to Eve and she was able to pass like so many like good timbits of like, like wise, like advice on how to do certain things. And yep. like, and she was like, so, you know, easy to connect with. Yeah. And she was like down to like chat. Um, so, so that was like a great kind of like aspect. Mm. And then she also kind of introduced me to this UBC, I think it's like, grow. Um, it's a UBC program for kind Beating of like growth. Exactly. It's called yeah. Feeding Growth. Yeah. yeah. So I attended one of their workshops and then now I'm a part of their community. So oh, that's awesome. like, yeah, so it's it's really great because all the local uh, CPG companies, like anyone, like founders will just reach out via email yeah. and say like, hey, I'm having a challenge with X. How has anyone like dealt with this? And I've mm. used that in the past too. And it's been mm. very helpful. So I do think that there's a very strong community when it comes to that. Yeah. Do you know Mark from Sustainable? Yeah, no, I don't know him, but I know of him. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. So he uh, he was on the podcast. He's a part of the Feeding Growth Program or was in the past. Mm -hmm. And he's very, very active on LinkedIn. And he's everywhere. Like wherever I see there's an event on, he's there. And it's just, yeah, it's really cool that there's a network of people out there that are so giving and willing of their time, just like you suggested Eve was. And I'm sure it's like it in other industries, but like for me, I've never seen it before. And I think it's just so awesome to see that there are entrepreneurs in such early stages of their business that you know, do reach out and do feel comfortable and, you know, do have people share with them and they don't necessarily always see them as competition. It's really cool. Exactly. I agree. And even collabs, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm starting to see like different CPG brands collab with each mm -hmm. other on like, mm -hmm. you know, in, social media promotions and stuff. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I love that. Like you guys are lifting each other up. You're helping mm -hmm. each other. Um, your products complement each other. And yeah. it's like a very like, it's like, yeah, it's a great community. Mm, that's cool. Did you have to make any pivots or were there any forks in the road where you had to improve on something? Yes, the recipe a lot. Mm, recipe <laughs> so development. Like, yeah, yeah. kind of what I said before, like mm. I think the first week that we launched, um, actually, the, yeah, the first week I launched was was really challenging because when I was testing my recipe, I was using, again, like a different brand of flour. Mm. Mm -hmm. But then when I actually launched, I needed to buy in bulk and mm the bulk one was a different brand. And mm -hmm. so it totally messed up my recipe. I remember that weekend I had to, cause I had like pre-packed like a hundred bags and I had to like literally open each bag, take it out, yeah. redo it again and like <laughs> put it back in. So I probably did that twice throughout the last year yeah. <laughs> due to the change of ingredients. Okay, So that was like, that was a huge like challenge for sure. And then you're putting a sticker on the bag with the adjusted recipe. Um, what do you mean? Oh, no, it's still the same. Oh, you're just adjusting the percentage of the mix in the bag. Exactly. Got, yeah. yeah. Understood. So nothing changes in terms of like, you know, you're adding the egg, the butter, your cook time, none of that changes. It's just you're adjusting your formulation in the bag. 
Well, actually, no, that's a good question. Most For most of my products, yes, but I do have a fourth product, which is called the Cookie Lab. That's right. Yeah, I remember that bag. Yep, yep. Exactly. And so that product essentially allows us to innovate. And so mm. every season I'll launch a new kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. So I think last year around this time we had launched uh, peppermint mocha for the holiday season. Mm-hmm. And then in the springtime we did like Easter mini eggs. Yeah, and I see so, it on your website right now. Mini eggs. Yeah, mix, yeah. And then edition. we did like lavender too. Um, mm. So yeah, so for that one, we always have to like, I have to go actually manually change the nutritional label and print yeah. it and even the instructions yeah. change too. So yeah. that is a bit kind of like uh, annoying, but it's okay. It's fine. It makes us, it allows us to like, again, innovate and be creative. That was actually a really good strategy for you. Like, you know, obviously like when you're printing digital, like you were at minimum order kind of quantities, like smaller quantities, it's not the cheapest way to buy packaging. So by you including a fourth SKU of it being like an innovation cookie lab SKU, which was like a generically branded pouch, I thought it was genius just to increase your volume so you could reduce your unit cost. I liked that idea. That was cool. Thank you. Yeah. I, it worked out really well for us because it allowed us to be um, like relevant all the mm-hmm. time. You know, mm-hmm. we always, we use it as a marketing tool. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, we have this brand new flavor. Um, and then it gets people like excited again for something new. And then mm-hmm. they also like order a, a different product too. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was, um, I'm really happy I went with that too. That's great. How often are you hearing or speaking to your, um, to your end users? Like are you getting out there, you mentioned markets and you mentioned events. Like, is that the best way for you to actually like interact with the people who are buying and eating your product? Yes, that and reviews. I um, we use a like app on our Shopify store to collect reviews, and yeah. it's worked really well. Like everyone is super willing to, and I I give them an incentive, like hey, like mm-hmm. if you submit a review, like here's ten percent off, kind of a thing, mm-hmm. and and that allows me to continue to like you know understand what they like at the product about the product or what they don't. So mm-hmm. that's also a way too. Yeah, I can see that on your website. I actually just went through the sales process uh, with Sarah from uh, More Granola that I just had on the podcast for the most previous one that went out. So your episode's going to be out in a couple of weeks' time, so I'm probably speaking a little out of turn here. But uh, Sarah from More Granola, yeah, and it was great because she had the full um, email flow come through. So like you've purchased the product, and then obviously how did you enjoy the product? Please leave a review. and that. So I'm assuming that your process would be very similar to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's that's a nice thing about again Shopify too is that they mm-hmm. have an app ecosystem yep. of different tools and one of those um I forgot the name of the app but it like has the whole marketing email flow set up for you. Mm-hmm. You just need to like edit the te- the content The funnel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Now if you had the opportunity to go back to where you were before you started with the knowledge that you have now, what business advice would you give yourself? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, I think I would just say back to the leveraging your, your network and, and support. Cause I, I did have to struggle a lot doing a lot of things by myself, mm-hmm. but that was just my own doing. Yeah. So I would say like, you know, let's enjoy the process. Let's like leverage like people who like are willing and wanting to help. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one. Um, and yeah, I would just say like, uh yeah probably also like yeah work the work-life balancing too just like Mm. i don't know how i would better plan for that though you know what Mm. i mean like you kind of just have to go through those things i was gonna say that sometimes you have to go out into the weeds to sort of find yourself 
you know? Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, if we were to fast forward a year from now and you could say to me that you'd had your best year ever, so this is in life or business, what would you have accomplished? I would say, so a couple things. Like I would say, I would love to see Leroux in more, you know, retail stores. Mm-hmm as as a as a big one um and continue to innovate like i would love to have like a gluten-free like cool. cookie mix because that's a yep. huge like ask from our customers um and i would love to also honestly launch another brand i think mm. that was like the most fun part of the process for me was was launching and developing a brand so it, i mean if i find the time for it i would love to you know launch another one maybe like in addition to liver or like something different so yeah. yeah i was wondering would it be in the food space still or are you looking to branch out that's so hard because i love the food space there's mm. i feel like there's so much opportunity in the food space to modernize some of the products um in more of like a health conscious way or, or whatnot mm. but at the same time i think i i would come back to the same challenge which is scalability so yeah. I would have to think more on that one for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, listen, uh, Tan, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, just for everybody out there, I did mention it at the start in the uh, when I was uh, kicking off the episode, but Tan has been fortunate and generous enough to give us all a 10% discount when people use the uh, the code PACKHEAVY10 on the website. So thank you very much for that. We all appreciate it. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate no worries. It. That's all right. And if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way to go about it? Um, you can email me at hello at com or drop us a, a DM on Instagram. Um, it's just at layer underscore. That's great. Thank you very much for your time. Have a good one. Thanks, Hayden. See ya. So that's episode 102 in the bank. Make sure you come on back next week for episode 103 with Amber Isles from Rock Coast. Honestly, another great conversation um, showcased here for you all to learn from. Uh, Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in today as well. I really appreciate your support and everything that you do by emailing in and uh, asking questions. So yeah, thanks again and uh, appreciate your time. Cheers. Cheers.